0: Hey now, we are getting over, and I am King, Adam Silverstein, here to lead you through these hard times, Dada, with another episode that is all about the game and how you play it, all about control, and if you can take it. We're talking all things WWE on this edition of Getting Over, as we do every Tuesday. But before we get into the nitty-gritty of WWE this week, a reminder to follow us on Twitter at Getting Cast. head on over to Apple Podcasts drop us that five-star rating and review i saw a lot of you did that last week and i really appreciate it numbers are climbing keep doing it um and and keep rating us keep reviewing us just much appreciated top to bottom i'm gonna add one more request this week tell at least one of your wrestling friends or followers or go on reddit do something to share and promote the getting over podcast hell hell retweet the episode when it comes out as simple as that We appreciate it. Help spread the word about getting over, and if you do, there may be something for you down the line. Listen for more information on a future episode. Joining us today in a bit of a surprise last-minute booking, you know him, you love him. He's a man of a million nicknames, Jack Crosby, kind of the Braun Strowman to Chris Vanini's Roman Reigns in (laughs) situation. I had Chris ready to go just a couple minutes before the show was to begin, uh, Chris does the WWE stuff with us, you know, usually, and he's not feeling well. So, you know, be sure to tweet him at Chris Vanini and uh, give him some hopes and positive wishes that he feels better. I think he'll be fine. But just, you know, really quick, call Jack. Hey, Jack, can you step in? Happy to do it. So glad to have Jack on the show. Jack, I did see a tweet from you. Um, I believe it was this weekend that you are dipping your toes into the world that is HBO's succession. Yeah. And dude... I am a massive proponent of this show. It is one of the top two or three shows on television live right now doing new episodes. I mean, they're not in a season this moment, but, you know, it it is in the middle of the show's existence. Uh, How far are you in and and what are your thoughts so far? Uh,
1: Unfortunately, because I got caught up with some life things. uh, I only got through two episodes, but I I will say even just through those two, the first two episodes of the season, like tonight, I'm done. Tuesday is a day I'm done with work earlier around like five, six o'clock. Right I already play I already told the wife that tonight we're gonna try to blow through some more definitely because that that show is just through two episodes I said this is phenomenal
0: it's a one of the weird shows where the episodes are only an hour but they feel like you're watching a movie each yes. time you watch a show it feels like an hour and a half or a two hour episode because it is slow moving and it is detailed and it requires you to think it, it requires a lot of critical thinking not just in terms of what is happening immediately in front of you, but what the ramifications are long-term for these characters. And you're just getting started. So you're, you're just tipping your toes into it. But as you get into season two, and I believe if memory serves season three, I believe there's been three, um, it gets more and more intense. Yeah. And the characters develop more and you really start to get an idea of what these people are about and, and where the story may be going. And and the truth is, it continues to catch me by surprise It's some of the finest writing Acting and direction, I think that's out there. Billions on Showtime is another show that I think is kind of head and shoulders right there with it every single week. Yeah. You're like, oh my God, I can't believe how good that show was. um So I've been a really big fan of those, but I, uh, those two I watched live. What I did not watch live, anyone that follows me on Twitter at Silverstein Adam and, and Jack, of course, is at Jay cross if, you, if you're going to
1: say you didn't watch the Jordan documentary, I'm going to rethink
0: No, this. no, I, I was tweeting oh, about it. I mean, oh, okay. I, all right. I don't th- No, no, no. But what I was saying was, uh, uh, if you if you do follow me then you've seen that over the last few weeks um and i finished a couple of weeks ago but i watched the wire from start to finish i had never seen it before Ah, oh, yeah yeah yeah. I absolutely that. absolutely incredible show um and i started and watched and basically one day the first six ep- first five episodes of plot against america which is another show from the same director on each heard about that it's it's new now real frightening stuff and the I believe the final episode, because it's a mini series, I believe it's a six episode uh, mini series. I think it just aired on Monday night. So that's like on the docket today. But, um, you know, I'm running through a lot of, I've watched a ton of series already, catching up on movies. The list is short of what I really have left. I think Breaking Bad. And I guess then after that, Better Call Saul, it's there. I don't yeah, know how
1: it's, bed, but I
0: just don't know how excited I am. Did you ever watch uh, Mad but- Men? No, that's on my list too. Yeah, you got to get to Mad Men. I put Breaking Bad Bad ahead of Mad Men for two reasons. One, because it's fewer episodes. Um, And two, because I feel like it will hook me faster where I'm told Mad Men is a slow burn.
1: Yeah, Mad Men is a slow burn to where you get to the good stuff. It's like a really slow burn.
0: Yeah, so I'm working through those. But those three shows, I guess, so Breaking Bad and then Better Call Saul and then separately Mad Men. Those are still on the list. You know, I just don't know what I'm going to get to them because I've been um, I've been running through this stuff and I just kind of feel like tapped out. Like when you watch The Wire in two weeks, it's pretty I mean, and you're still working and doing a lot of stuff. You know, it's 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 taken a lot of t- it took a lot of time, but it was totally worth it. Uh, was uh, probably the best show I've ever seen. And, um, you know, and those of those of you that follow me, many of you at least certainly agreed. OK, but we're not here to talk TV. We're here to talk professional wrestling. And we're going to begin the main event this week, Jack, talking money in the bank. Um, You know, we've spent the last few episodes talking about WWE releases and working during the coronavirus pandemic and a lot of stuff that really wasn't fun. Okay, but I want to talk fun. And money in the bank is going to be fun because they are giving us a new call. It stipulation match type, whatever you want, where money in the bank is not going to be a normal ladder match with a briefcase on top of a ladder that's still going to be there. I should say a briefcase hanging from the ceiling. Um, rather, it's going to be money in the bank, climb the corporate ladder. There's going to be two money in the bank matches, one men, one women with six competitors in each instead of seven. And the matches, Jack, are going to start at the bottom of Titan Towers, which they're referring to on TV as WWE headquarters uh, in Stanford, Connecticut, with a ring on the roof and a, and a uh, briefcase dangling i guess off a crane hook or something like that above it so they're these wrestlers these superstars are basically going to have to fight through all the floors of titan towers and then finish with the match on the roof this is so in a good way wcw to me that it reminds me of do you remember that movie um what was that terrible movie with david arquette um the wcw movie Oh, ready to rumble. Ready to rumble. And they had that match type, like King of the Mountain or whatever it was, where you had to go through yes. one stage after another until you reached the very and, top. And then WCW made it an actual match. Right. And I actually enjoyed it because it made, it's, it's actually a pretty cool match type. Like, it's a good idea. Um So this kind of reminds me of that. But at the same time, WWE, and this is not something we say a lot, Jack, WWE's earned my trust because what they have done – through WrestleMania and through and through the Johnny Gargano Tommaso Ciampa match is they've shown when given time and the ability to tell a story away from the ring in a match-like story away from the ring, they've been able to succeed. And from the Boneyard match to the Firefly Funhouse match, granted this isn't as unique as that, but I believe WWE is really going to produce the hell out of this and give us two of the more unique matches we've ever seen. Yeah. But at the same time, Well, I I agree.
1: Like, this is all great. Like, it's definitely, it's drawn interest from even non-wrestling fans. I've seen some people say, wait, they're doing what now? But at the same time, like, after so many years of watching WWE, I'm getting kind of sick of this nonsense. And by nonsense, I mean, why do you have to show how good you could be every time you're backed into a corner? Like, (laughs) why why does it take a plane getting grounded in Saudi Arabia for you to (laughs) say, you know what? What if we had... A crap load of the NXT guys just invade our billion dollar SmackDown on Fox show. That'd be really cool, wouldn't it? Like, why does it take something like that? It, it shouldn't, it, it shouldn't be like this. Like, if you like, you're showing me you have the ability to put on a money in the bank match like this at Titan Towers. You could have done this last year, you could have done it the year before. You could have done this a crap load of times, but you chose not to. Only it's like SummerSlam. like what are we gonna do for SummerSlam if this is still going on? Are we can have SummerSlam on the beach because Florida's
0: reopening stuff. Dude, we, we might have might. Silver Slam on the beach. We might. I, I mean, we could <laughs> see, see a match happen on the beach. Like, you're, you're 100% right. And I wasn't sure where you were going with it initially. But when WWE is back into a corner, and we've said it numerous times, yeah. they deliver their best content or at least their best effort to provide good content. And if you looked at SmackDown last Friday and Raw on Monday combined, That's probably the best five hours of WWE TV that we have seen in, you know, a good three months or so, like since the beginning of the year. I'm just talking about the consistency from like the start of SmackDown to the end of Raw. Were there bad things that happened? Absolutely. We're going to talk about them later in the show. But I saw storylines that made sense and that were not convoluted for the most part, high match quality to the point where... There was a match on Monday night that I would have given an A if I was grading them, and there were at least three or four B's and B pluses over those two shows combined. So they they're allowing wrestlers to wrestle, they're allowing storylines to be told and make sense from show to show, and they're allowing the performers to cut their own promos. The the stuff Drew McIntyre is saying, aside from like the, the contrived crap, thank you for watching our show that he does at the beginning of every Raw. Outside of that, the way he's speaking. The way Zelina Vega talks on commentary and on the mic, it is so natural, and it is so much better than the scripted shit that WWE has given us for years now. That it—it's just shocking to me. Like, not—not not shocking that the performers are capable of it. We all know that they are, but that WWE said, "Hey, we're in a really bad spot right now, and rather than go all in on being scripted and taping everything a million times and doing all that." They've kind of loosened the reins here, no pun intended, and said, go have at it and put on a good show. And they're putting on good shows. For the most part, especially since WrestleMania, these taped raw or these uh, empty arena Raws and SmackDowns have been entertaining with good wrestling.
1: Yeah. And I'll tell you what, though, too, like this, we're it's interesting to me because the longer this goes on and I'll admit too, I'm in agreement. These shows have overall been really good and i won't even give drew flack for the contrived as you put it promo. Yeah. like thank you promos at the beginning because and for just for this reason roman reigns is not there drew mcintyre is basically saying look i'm the top representative of this company right now like he's playing the role of traditional world champion which i respect so he's saying, "Look, I have to speak up cuz Roman's not here. I he is the top guy." He is. So he I'll is. do respect to Braun Strowman. Drew McIntyre is the top face in WWE right now as the WWE champion, which is the way it should be. He he has
0: surpassed because she's not on TV much. and I'll let you continue. He has surpassed even Becky Lynch right now. He is
1: Oh god, yeah. He oh, is yeah. the
0: number 1 face of WWE today. Yes. That, that doesn't mean he's the most popular superstar, but he is the face of the company right now.
1: Yes, with, without a doubt. And all the guy is doing is he's worked his ass off to get here. So he's basically saying, look, if I have, to, I have to work for these conditions, but I also have to show that I'm a leader so I can stay in this position that I worked so hard to get to after all those years of setbacks. So while I don't like them, per se, I don't blame the guy for going through with it. And then otherwise, he's been fantastic. But I'm really interested to see when this is all over, and we go back to life as normal in WWE land and professional wrestling land. And these fans are back in. If these shows suck, a lot of th- some of these fans, I know, not the little kids or the kid, but a lot of these fans are going to remember, hey, how come your shows were better when you were in your
0: warehouse? Yeah. And like, that shouldn't be like that. Why does this suck? For me, the hope is that, well, first of all, I hope this ends tomorrow. Like we all hope the pandemic ends. Everyone's healthy. They get a vaccine, whatever. But I don't think it's going to. And I think that WWE is going to be doing empty arena, Raws and SmackDowns and pay-per-views for the majority of this year. That's just like what for exa- I don't think like
1: just really quick. So uh, like I don't right now see SummerSlam in Boston happen. Agreed.
0: Agreed completely. And if it did, for some reason, I think it would be an empty, empty arena. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if they did, if they went there for simply the scenery and, you know, for, for certain reasons, Yep. Maybe that maybe that will happen, but I don't think WWE, I don't think it pays for them to travel and bring a production to Boston, Massachusetts, to have no one there, to not sell tickets, to not do anything like that. So yeah. I don't think they will. And I agree with you. So, I, so because of that, this is going to be an extended period of time that WWE has to operate this way. And my hope is that that's a negative, obviously. But I hope that WWE takes that negative and turns it into a positive in terms of. Look what we were able to accomplish. Look how much fans critically enjoyed our product. The fans coming back and us having Raw and SmackDown pay-per-views live in front of audiences, that will naturally result in a ratings increase. It just will. People are going to be excited for it to be back. Um, People that are no longer watching because it's empty arena. And, you know, some people just are totally tuned out. I mean, look, candidly, breaking the fourth wall a little bit. You know, Dave Schilling was the co-host of this show. He doesn't like that they're operating. He basically said, I'm not going to watch wrestling until the crowd's back. And even then, I'm kind of turned off from the entire industry. Candidly, I don't know, nor do I think Dave's going to be back on the show. And I think that we're moving on long term without him. So there are a lot of wrestling fans that are being completely turned off, not just WWE, but AEW, etc. But when the crowds do come back and when they start traveling again, naturally interest is going to pick up. Now, WWE will also be competing with a lot of major sports all around. restarting with crowds at the same time so it maybe it won't maybe they'll be difficult but my point is we are going to have an extended period of time that wwe is operating in this capacity and critically at least from everyone i speak with and from what i see online people are enjoying this product the the not not having the fans but the actual content the wwe is providing more than they were when they had fans in attendance, and even when they were on the road to WrestleMania. So hopefully they take this as a lesson and say, let's keep operating this way. Let's keep allowing Drew and Zelina and Austin Theory and Garza and and Montez Ford and Bianca to cut promos, you know, without scripts and, and say and speak like they're real human beings. And let's keep allowing Daniel Bryan and Cesaro to go 17 minutes with a barn burner of a match on regular television because the fans actually enjoy it. So that's my hope. But guts go, are good.
1: No, that that's an underrated. You you brought it up and it just it just kind of clicked at me and I it, it's something I never thought of. So thank you. Like guys like Austin Theory or a guy like Austin Theory, a girl like Bianca Belair. I think that this situation as much as this sucks to say is more beneficial to them. This empty arena setting where people through television are just getting to know them as opposed to an odd, a live audience giving them the who are you treatment. And Because remember, not every main roster fan watches NXT. So even Bianca would have gotten that after a while. Going to these cities, they'd be like, well, who's, her, who's she? Absolutely. And some, like Austin, who's a relative unknown. Now you're getting the chance to know them gradually.
0: So when the fans do come back, I think their response is going to be more positive. Absolutely. And I was going to bring this up later in the show. But <laughs> just this week on WWE TV, we saw Denzel DiJornette, Indy Hartwell, Shane it, Thorne, it, yep. Brendan Vick. Caden Carter and Santana Garrett. These are people that sometimes barely make it on NXT. I mean, Indy Hartwell, I I honestly don't even know if I've seen her on WWE TV before. Nope. Yeah. It's not been barely on NXT. Right. Santana Garrett, Santana Garrett's barely on NXT. I also don't particularly think she's very good, but you know, Caden Carter, we do see DeJornette. We've seen occasionally Thorne and Vic have been there a little bit, but these people are getting reps with main roster talent and where, WWE, especially Raw, has used some enhancement talent recently under Paul Heyman. They're just people that you throw away, you never think about it again, right? When yeah. they've been touring cities or whatever the case. I like that we're going a little bit back to old school Raw back in like the 90s, the early 90s, where you would just randomly have wrestlers appear on Raw and you might think that they're a flash in the pan, one, two, three kid, but they actually end up being something. Caden um, Carter... She's not really being given an opportunity to shine. But if she does get one, people might say, oh, my God, the Kaden Carter's got something. Forget NXT. Let's just put her on the main roster and have her work. That's what happened with Austin Theory. So I like that we're starting to see and, and that WWE is utilizing some of these talents to just get people wins. Like Austin Theory and um, Angel Garza, they just need wins. They don't have to be very meaningful. Certainly every meaningful match that stable has been and has lost to this point. But they're also, they've are also they also gotten singles wins over Akira Tozawa and some of these other people. So I just like what this empty arena setting has brought out of WWE creative and production. And I think that the Money in the Bank corporate ladder match or the climb the corporate ladder match, um, it's just another example of it. So circling back to that, Adam X. Parsons wrote, I don't know how people are reacting to this, um, but if we don't get a parody of Die Hard, I'm going to be pissed. (laughs) Black Sabre Jr. underscore Black Sabre Jr. on Twitter said the same thing. He said, Money in the Bank is basically being Die Hard the match. What are some other... He he asks us, what are some other tried and true match types you jazz up with a weird new setting slash gimmick? And I honestly didn't even really think about it, Jack. Um, But I think any type of no disqualification or false count anywhere match could be held in a unique setting. So false count anywhere for example on the beach like you said or in and around a pool or something like that is a is something unique that could be utilized. You, can, you have a diving board, you have a pool, you have a deck, you have the chairs, you know the the lounge chairs whatever you want to call them. Um so I don't necessarily have one specific match that could go in a different setting but To these guys' points, I do hope there are some diehard elements. I mean, I don't want anyone getting thrown off a building. um, But it is unique that they are operating within an office. And they have, you know, I don't know what WWE headquarters looks like in terms of floor by floor. But certainly there are those things that we've seen. Whether it's on WWE uh, Network, where they've shown the conference room or Vince McMahon's office or whatever the case. Where, look. There's some interesting things and places that they can go. And I do hope that this is more than just, oh, we fight in the lobby for a minute. Oh, we fight in the conference room for a minute. I hope they actually kind of tear some shit up. They will. It w- they
1: will, which is why one of the first things I said, I, I know, like I think out of the box a lot of times is I want to see the damage bill after all this is done. Yeah. I really want to see the. I, I like, I'm dead serious. I want to see the, The financial number tied to the damage that Vince McMahon is willing to do to his corporate headquarters just for this.
0: Well, it is interesting that they were in the midst of moving and building a new corporate headquarters, but they've paused that as part of their cost-cutting measures. So you would have thought, okay, they're moving. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. They're going to leave old stuff there, old chairs and old office equipment that they're not moving. They can tear it up, but they're operating right now. So from that office. Now I, I guess a lot of people maybe aren't going in, I would assume. I know I know for a fact a lot of people in WWE now are working from home. But I mean, it still exists and like they're gonna have to go in there for a period of time before the new one is constructed, one would think. So, like what are they gonna do? I, I hope they get some crazy stuff. I do hope there are there are some homages to die hard. I mean taping someone to a desk chair and like rolling them into an elevator or rolling them out of an elevator, bloody like there's a lot of things they can do here. So I am kind of curious to see how this transpires and I am ultimately excited for it.
1: I think most people who say they're not curious about this is lying. They're liars. Yeah. Cause you have, you have to be like, and and, but I don't agree with like I've got on, I've said on here during WrestleMania. Like I don't agree with WWE doing this. But at the same time, I got to kind of respect the way that they're going outside the box here to say, how about this for entertainment?
0: It's like, oh, all right, I'll watch. All right, Jack. So we talked about the concept for Money in the Bank. Let's talk about the qualifiers. On the men's side so far, we have Daniel Bryan, Alistair Black, Apollo Crews, and Rey Mysterio with two spots still left to be determined. And in a second, we can talk about who we think is going to win. And certainly the two people that are still to be determined, it could be one of them. But I got to talk as early in the show as possible, about the Rey Mysterio-Murphy match from Monday night. You guys all know what I wanted. I thought Murphy should have won that match. Honestly, I get why they had Rey Mysterio win. You have a pay-per-view coming up. You're trying to get people to watch your product. You need stars. You can have Alistair Black and Apollo Crews in there and give a couple spots to guys who are not major big-time players in WWE right now. But when you do have the opportunity to get Rey Mysterio in a match like that, and in a featured match on a pay-per-view, on a poster, etc., cetera, you have to take that opportunity to use Rey Mysterio. But what they didn't have to do was put Rey Mysterio in a match with Murphy because they also could have figured out a way to have Murphy in this match. Now, would I put Murphy in over Alistair Black? No, I probably wouldn't. Would I put him in over Apollo Cruz? Yes. But at the same time, Murphy's been featured and Apollo's been waiting for an opportunity. So it's pretty great that Cruz is at least getting a chance to be featured in a big match like this. Now, back to Mysterio Murphy. I thought that was the match of the night. I think it was the match of the entire week, AEW and NXT combined, if you date back to last week. And, Jack, I think by the time this week is over, it's going to be the best match we have seen. It was just another example of Buddy Murphy, now Murphy, being an absolute star that WWE needs to take advantage of.
1: Yeah, I'd love to argue what you hear, but I can't because... This you're right. Great match. And you're probably even looking ahead to what we have coming on the x You're probably going to be the best of the week in a seven day span when all is said and done. But it, it's just there was no reason to do Murphy like that. I there, mean, was, they, and I, again, like you said, I get wanting to have Ray in the match, especially during a time where you anticipate maybe having some more casual viewers on your product. I get that. But. You don't do it at the expense of someone like Murphy, who, especially since Seth, you, you do the dynamic where Seth just had a setback, even though he's getting WWE title. Man, I'll get to that later. But Seth had a setback at WrestleMania. So use this time to push Murphy a little bit as the number two in that little group.
0: This is what I do. I have Murphy come back next week, challenge Ray to a rematch. I have him beat Ray. And then I have WWE insert him into the match in the seventh spot he earned his way in.
1: Ah, uh, well, yeah, you could do that because what I there's two two spots open right now.
0: Smackdown spots. Cuz I
1: pulled up so we got two two Smackdowns, right?
0: Yep. yep. Did they set those qualifying matches yet or I don't think so. I don't think they've set the matches. Wow. So it's tough because, you know, Daniel everyone in the match right now deserves to be in there and like I said, Cruz, would you possibly replace him for Murphy? Yes, but I like that he's getting shine. Yeah, there's did. something. Cruz,
1: Paul Heyman, or somebody, somebody said where all of a sudden they said, they said, get this guy out of catering. Not just him. We, we got an idea.
0: Not just him. I, I, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's, not a just concerted him. Effort, there's a concerted effort for Apollo Cruz, Cedric Alexander, and Ricochet right now.
1: Because you could have very easily, like if I told you last week during that, uh, that pillage of the roster, if you came to me and said Apollo Cruz is one, I'd say, yeah, that makes sense. But he wasn't. No, because he's which good. Tells me something. He's really talented. Oh, we, so, know, we know he's good. There was never any doubt yeah, about yeah. that. It was about, I mean, from the very beginning when they brought this guy up, which was a terrible idea. It's just been one failure after another. But it seems like this time they think they got the formula in place.
0: Yeah, I just, if, if I was WWE here, I would have found a way to get Murphy in this match. Certainly, the way they booked the match, he lost but looked insanely strong. Going that deep with Mysterio, he had the upper hand for most of the match. It took a Destroyer and a 619 and a Frog Splash to beat him. I mean, that's that's strong booking. And we, we can't always say that WWE books people strong in wins and defeats. But in this case, they certainly did. It just was they really set this match up to give Mysterio an out for losing with the hand. Um, and like I said, Murphy looked dominant the entire time. The camera shot, by the way, I want to give a special shout out to WWE production because that shot where like, Murphy got flung into the barricade, but he got flung headfirst into the camera. And it was a straight on shot, like into the living room. Yeah, absolutely stellar. And you've seen that from WWE a lot recently in this setting. Uh, they're, they're using the cameras to tell stories as opposed to using them to cut between the action to make you think the hits are harder than they actually are, which has always been stupid. But I would just find a way to get Murphy in this match. He really does deserve it beyond me being biased and liking him. Um, he's done great work recently. The match with Mysterio was incredible. I, like I said, I would love to see a rematch next week and Murphy get the win and earn his way into the match. Um, but you know what? I'm still really pleased with the way this has been built. Brian, Black, Cruz, and Mysterio so far. That's a solid first four. If they put two more big names from SmackDown in, this is going to be a really good money in the bank, uh, match on the men's side. Now on the women's side, Jack, not as enthused about this match. In fact, pretty disappointed. First of all, you have Dana Brooke in the match, who, <laughs> in, who, who who I like. I like Dana Brooke. I think she deserves the opportunity to be in this match. She beats Naomi, who, by the way, Jack, I like even more and really deserves the opportunity uh, yeah, th- to be in was... this match and have a chase, chance to win the briefcase. Um, you also have Asuka, Shayna Baszler, Nia Jax, and two people to be determined. Now, look, I don't think either of us, if we were booking the damn territory, would have allowed Nia Jax to beat Kyrie Sane on a match that involves ladders, where you can get an insane elbow from the top of WWE headquarters. I would never book a scenario where Kyrie Sane does not have that opportunity. But Nia Jax is newly returning. Baszler is certainly someone they're trying to push. Asuka is Asuka. And then you have Dana Brooke beat Naomi. So, I mean, look, you have Bailey, Becky Lynch, Charlotte, and Sasha Banks all involved in something that is not money in the bank. You only do have so many other women on your roster. It's just to me that when you're booking this, I see a spot for Liv Morgan. I don't know why the hell she's not in this. I see a spot for Carmella or or Naomi, either of them. I don't know why neither of them are in it. And maybe Carmella will. Maybe she'll get that opportunity. Um, I'm just mostly to the point I'm, or Sasha. But, uh, you know, she is at least involved in the Bailey and Tamina thing.
1: I'm just Which is all the more
0: reason, though. I'm just disappointed with the way this has been built so far. Yeah, the 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 build to the men's
1: has been solid. But the build to the women's, because it, the part of me thinks with the build to the women's is I think it's it's inevitable that Shane is going to come away with that briefcase. Because she got jobbed out of the Royal Rumble win. She got jobbed out at WrestleMania. I mean, jobbed out, like, not in a serious manner. Don't take that. It's just just a phrase I'm using. But she failed twice on the big stage. It's, it's, honestly, to me, I don't care. This. It, it just seems inevitable that Shane is going to get that briefcase. The
0: right booking, though, would be for Sasha Banks to win,
1: correct? Absolutely. 100%. Like, yeah, yeah, let's get this straight. Like, I think she, the correct booking given sort just uh, based off storylines right now is for Bailey to keep throwing Sasha under the bus. But then all of a sudden, Sasha has that briefcase and then it's all crap.
0: And they celebrate as a team. And Bailey and Sasha say, this is great. I'm going to hold this forever. You're never going to lose the title. I'll challenge someone on Raw, like whatever. And then you hold it for a one or two months yeah. and make believe there is no animosity. And then right before SummerSlam or at SummerSlam, you have Sasha Banks cash in. And win the that's
1: title. the thing. Like, that's that's where we're at an advantage here, because should Sasha win that briefcase? They're going to tease it for a bit right up until SummerSlam in Boston is canceled or postponed right? Or right. whatever happens. So they're going to, if she does win, they're going to keep it on her to see if they could do the Boston deal. Because, I mean, that'd be a huge babyface moment, especially for Sasha, where if she announces, I'm going to cash in the briefcase in my hometown, like that place will go nuts. If she announces ahead of time instead of one of the surprise deals. Yeah. But no, it's, I think there, it's got to be either Shayna or
0: Sasha. I agree with that. I mean, we would all love Oscar to win, but I just don't think that will happen in this booking. Dana Brooke's there to take some bumps, in my opinion. I mean, look, there's always the possibility that she gets elevated, and I do think she's talented and she continues to get better. But like, I just don't know why you have Dana Brooke beat Naomi when you have the Iconics there and they're not being used on TV. I believe they're there. I believe they're in Orlando. I could be wrong. Um, They're not being used on TV. And... Or or just other women, give other women opportunities. Have Dana Brooke and Carmella lose the tag team title challenge to Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross and then challenge each other for a money in the bank match. One advances, one doesn't. You know, there's just so many ways they could have gone with this. And so far, the women's one is just not living up to expectation for me. Also, Jack, I'd be remiss. Um, Look, it's one thing if you want to stand on a soapbox as a wrestler and call workers unsafe. Whoa, buddy. OK, and Nia Jax stood on a soapbox and insulted Ronda Rousey as unsafe because she did hurt Alexa Bliss when they had a match. But for the most part, honestly, I don't necessarily remember Rousey being, quote unquote, unsafe for people not wanting to work with her. In fact, Sasha Banks like begged to get the chance to work with Ronda and Ronda begged to get the chance to work with Sasha. But you cannot do that. And then like six days later. Do a buckle bomb with the smallest. Lightest woman in the entire company, maybe in all of pro wrestling, or maybe not all of pro wrestling, but you get my point. I'm exaggerating a little bit. Um, and do a buckle bomb, which I am not a trained wrestler, Jack. You're not a trained wrestler. We're men though. And if I was picking up Kyrie Sane, I could buckle bomb her. I'm pretty sure I could. Um, but you can't have someone Nia Jax, her strength, her size, who just botches that move so badly and nearly kills Kyrie Sane in the ring. That person cannot be preaching safe working environment.
1: Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm getting a little sick of Nia Jax. Like I'm tired of her. I was tired of her during the Becky Lynch stuff. I'm more, I'm just even more tired of her now. I don't need her around. I don't need, she doesn't serve a purpose for me. She's just
0: not, she's not good enough to be this bad. Like
1: Kyrie Sane is a hundred times the professional wrestler you could ever dream to be.
0: Get yep. out of here. More charismatic, better in the ring. You know, just booking Nia to beat to squash her in the qualifier and then beat her a second time. Which doesn't and make sense to me because... Why would you have that match? We just, we just talked about using these NXT talents
1: as enhancement. If you want to enhance freaking Nia Jax, don't use Kyrie
0: Sane. Use right. one of them. And it's, and it's okay. Look, if you want to have that as a qualifying match and you want Nia to look strong and beat her, that's totally fine but you don't need to run it back a second time and now have Kyrie get pinned for the women's tag team titles she got pinned in the rematch for the women's tag team titles and now has been pinned twice by nia Jax. so she's lost four matches in a row by her taking the pinfall it's just a joke like i, I swear mean, to you Adam, so if bad.
1: they if they insert which look this is a very much with the way she's being built this is very much a likelihood if they insert her into it. A- Damn title feud with Becky Lynch. I don't think I'm going to watch those segments. I think every time they come on, I'm, wrong, I'm just going to go do something. Change the chant. I'm dead serious. I have no interest. Whatsoever. I have
0: to assume they're going to. But but the thing is, the only feud I care about Nia Jackson is Becky Lynch. Because there's actually reason. And there's actually history. No, so, Becky took care of her at the Royal Rumble. Done deal. But she didn't. She threw her over the rope. That That's nothing. Done deal. Yeah, she took the big girl and threw her over the rope. Done but deal. There's, okay, but there's reason to have a one-on-one match.
1: Oh, no, I want want nothing to do with
0: that. Ray Wyatt got a win over John Cena before the Firefly Funhouse, but there was still a reason to have the Firefly Funhouse match. They did do it eventually a good job telling that story. So there is still a reason for Nia Jax, who can say she was hurt and dealing with ACLs, and Becky who dominated and only became a star, quote unquote. I don't really believe that, but enhanced her star power because she took the punch from Nia Jax. There is a story they can tell where it's at least – They get me involved and excited for the match, even though I don't like Nia Jax. That's the only thing I want to see her doing. Outside of that, there is no value to Nia Jax on my TV. Moving on out of Money in the Bank, though, Jack, we did see the tag team titles change hands Friday night on SmackDown in a singles triple threat match, the second one that we've had in the last few weeks. So I I did some research because I was really curious about this, and I did criticize it heavily ahead of WrestleMania when they did it in the first place. Um, this is the first time in WWE history dating back to 1971 that a single person has won a tag team title. Now we're not talking about like a tag team that begins a match and then someone gets hurt and goes to the back, whatever. Yeah. We're talking about a singles match where a tag team title changed hands. This is the first time that's ever happened. Um, now it has other things have happened. We've had a singular person defend the titles. It happened certainly at WrestleMania, as we mentioned. And actually, Seth Rollins just did it in 2018 when Ambrose, they won the titles together. Yeah, Ambrose, remember Ambrose that. turned on him. And then guess who beat him for those titles? AOP. So that's kind of interesting that AOP <laughs> yeah, and Rollins got together. Right. Yeah. So And that was November 2018. So pretty interesting that that's happened. But never before has a singles wrestler challenged for the titles and won them. Now, certainly these are still a tag team title. So Kofi will get a championship run here, as we know. But I thought, Jack, this is extremely notable for two two reasons. One, while I hated the booking at WrestleMania, I didn't like that they went on with it. It didn't really make much sense. And that said, because they still went on with it, the right decision was to have the title retention there. I love that they followed it up two weeks ago on SmackDown and basically had these guys come out and say, look, you guys got a chance at the title. Yeah. Why don't we all get a chance? And they were able to figure out a way to continue the storyline in a smart, productive manner. And by the way, this was a hell of a match. The fact that they had New Day win this match and they gave Big E the opportunity to shine as a singles performer, even though it was four tag team titles, put it over the top. He was incredible in the match, both on the mic and in terms of in-ring work. He delivered in a huge moment and was able to hit his finisher. And then for anyone that does follow WWE on Twitter, he did one of the most hilarious post-match title celebrations that I have ever seen. And Jack, I don't know if you saw it, but anyone who missed it, Big E basically... In the weight room? Yeah, he takes the titles and goes to the (laughs) weight room of the Performance Center and, no joke, spends five to seven minutes exercising and yelling and screaming and celebrating. So on this show, not only are we huge Murphy fans... We're massive Big E fans, and we do believe on this show that Big E should be a world heavyweight champion in some form sooner than later in WWE. I just thought this match, this booking, it encapsulated the best of WWE. It was the right decision. The right person went over. He went over the right way. And a storyline that started being pretty bad, at least in my opinion, ended up with a pretty solid resolution. And now you have Miz and Morrison, the former champions they do deserve a rematch because they never got to defend them in a tag team setting. So they're going to do a rematch. They're going to keep the storyline going, yeah. but there's a reason for the rematch. Just top to bottom, two big thumbs up for me.
1: Great. And you just about booking and I don't want to give them too much credit here, but I don't think on the surface that it's an accident that Kofi couldn't get the job done, but Big E did. I also they're don't think it's an... up. what's that.
0: They're not breaking them up.
1: It's not an accident that the, during that Mustafa Ali hack, they had everyone going. Well, they showed Sasha and Bailey. It's, good. It's, it's Keep your friends close and your enemies closer. It's, it's, it, the, the pieces are lining up a little too much for me. Well, this is what I'll say. And Big E getting that that big single shine. And it did. It reverted. It was it reverted everyone to the footage he showed of Sasha and Bailey, but also showed Biggie and Kofi. Yet I still saw everyone on the internet, everyone, even during a search, not just people I follow, even a search. Oh, well, mm-hmm. did Sasha and Bailey so I'm like, well, hold on. He showed Kofi and Big E too. Did, did you miss that? Right. They showed it. Have was seen, like, actually, it yeah. was like And then, yeah, but then you end the episode, like he hacks during that segment, then you end the episode with Big E winning those tag titles. It was like, look, they might, they might have accomplished
0: the mission of taking your attention to where they want it for this. This is is what I'll say about that, Jack. So the reason I say they are not going to break them up is just because purely only because. New Day has been adamant that it will never happen, that they would quit the company and they won't allow it. Well, what to happen. do you want them? What do you want them to tell you? Adam? The, what do you want no, them no. to tell us in okay. interviews? OK, fine. Yeah, yeah, thought- OK, fine. But they've also been together. I mean, I don't know how long it's been right now, but six years, eight years, a long ass period of time. And they have not broken up. The, but this is what I'm going to say. This is what I'm going to give credence to your point. If there was every time you were going to break up New Day or that you were going to split them temporarily, it would be while one of the members is not there. Because what it allows to happen is for Kofi and Big E to feud or have animosity. And then when Xavier Woods is healthy, he comes back and brings them all together again. And they operate as a trio, which is the way the dynamic works. So because of that, Jack, I do see a scenario where they could say, look, yeah, New Days still exists. But are, one of those guys already is not there. Let's do a short run feud with Kofi and Big E. Let's have them fight a little bit. Maybe they each get a win over the other. They have a rubber match. They're fighting really bad in the match, and then it's getting aggressive. Xavier's healthy enough. He comes down for the save, reunites the team. They're back to the new day again. I could see that happen. Yeah, it's,
1: and I'll also say this, and I, I don't think I got a chance when we got together uh WrestleMania weekend. I honestly don't know why. Maybe they did. I would have given Big E the universal title. I would have honest to God given Big E the Goldberg match. I I mean, get, it would have been incredible. I, I get why they went with Braun. I do. And then of course Meltzer also said they gave consideration to Jeff Hardy, which I believe now. Yeah. I believe yeah. they could cons- gave consideration to Jeff, but obviously you're not going to trust him to be your universal your top champion right now. Not yet. But, not yet, at least. But they considered him. It was it basically melt like Meltzer said, it was him and Braun. And they alt- of course they went with Braun. But I don't know why you couldn't have just, especially under the circumstances, just threw Big E out there. He's believable to handle Goldberg in three, four minutes. And plus, we've been, and plus it would have been a moment where we're, 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 we're clamoring for Big E to get the singles run. And when he finally does, he annihilates Goldberg. Like, that would have been the ultimate, like, breaking through the glass ceiling for this guy.
0: And You had Biggie available because Kofi yeah, was I, the
1: one who wrestled in that match, exactly. Like, that's why I was like, Why didn't you just give this to E? Yeah, but now I and maybe we'll see there's a reason for that.
0: I don't know, but maybe they had this storyline planned out, maybe they had booked in their heads what I do think eventually is going to happen. Well, and, cer- and certainly, we'll talk about it. No, as I should, I should The I money should... in the bank to get the Fiend to get the title back. Yeah, I should, quit. I'd rather that's have that. the Fiend beat Braun Strowman than yes, Biggie. Yes, yes, yes.
1: You know. I just I should correct myself there I because, yeah, that's why they did. So you could just – because with Roman there, like you don't you, – your only option is to go to Bray. That's why right. I don't like people criticizing Bray Wyatt in this position now because I've been telling people, like, what do you want them to do right now? They can't do anything else. They have to go to Bray.
0: Well, that's why I thought the booking – again, just my booking – of making Cena-Bray a number one contendership match – And then just having Bray beat Goldberg and get the title back on a big stage. Why that made sense. But Strowman winning, at least he has a title reign under his belt. And again, because they did not take advantage of Strowman when he was his hottest two years ago in that feud with Reigns. He's now the big show. He's just he's in that role. He's going to be face heel, face heel all the time. Um, He will be a transitional champion occasionally. That's what he is right now. But I do think he's going to lose the title at Money in the Bank. Oh, yeah. And I'm okay with that. I'm totally fine with it. This. Yeah, this is,
1: it'll be over at money in the bank. And I don't even know if he'll get it. Like it, I understand that they might, are they still adhering to the no rematch clause? Who knows? They don't even know, but they are. you but might not most... even, you might not even get another match between these two. I think Bray just takes it at money in the bank and they tell Bron, Hey, thank you for doing what you did. We really appreciate it. Yeah. And then they just kind of move on take, from that. Take a
0: month off. We'll bring you back with a different feud and we'll be good to go.
1: Which uh, they but... should do with a lot of these guys, you know, especially during this. And I understand they got rid of a lot of guys, but you could tell a guy like Braun Strowman, it's like, all right, look, thanks for doing, it. go home for a month, go chill. And then we'll bring you back. And then we'll, we'll bring in a, a, another, a small set of guys to start
0: working if the, if they want to. Absolutely. Finishing up the main event here. I did want to talk about uh, Drew McIntyre and raw right now. We mentioned his promo earlier in the show. I do find it a little bit strange and it's not an unusual booking from WWE, but I do find it strange that he's fighting a war on two fronts right now. So, On one hand, you have him dealing with Zelina Vega's new faction. And by the way, I'm going to pause right here and tell you that I have a name for that faction. And it should be called The Association. Okay, going back to this. uh, He's dealing with Zelina Vega's faction on one hand. And then feuding with Seth Rollins, who already now has a WWE championship match at Money in the Bank on the other hand. So stupid. So I don't get it. It made sense last week. When he his he was bothered, the entire show, he was feuding with, with Andrade and Theory and um, Garza, and it was stuck in his head that this is who I'm dealing with, and then you have Rollins attack him because he's distracted at the end of the show. That made complete sense. But continuing that this week, while Rollins is now clearly his next challenger, and you could have those guys getting into a US championship feud with a challenger upcoming, it just seems... A little bit strange and a little bit too much to be forcing on McIntyre when you could have him theoretically beat Rollins at Money in the Bank, and then have Andrade lose the U.S. title to whoever at Money in the Bank, maybe Murphy or someone like that. Like maybe not Murphy, but a face. Um, maybe you put Murphy in the match. You have you have Apollo beat him, and you get a surprise new new champion or Rey Mysterio. You have Rey Mysterio beat him for the title, you know, and have Murphy had beat him for the Money in the Bank. Anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself here, but. And then you have Andrade as the next challenger uh, with Zelina's faction going up against McIntyre. This is a little bit too convoluted for me. And it's not a word I've used for WWE recently because they've been pretty decent. But I wanted to see if you were aligned with me here where you have one clear rivalry with Rollins all set. But now he's fighting four people instead of one.
1: This should have just been Rollins. Because, look, I love the group of Theory, Zelina, Angel, and Andrade. but. Would just like any faction, you have to build them up to look like a threat. You didn't do that. You fed them right to the WWE champion, which, by the way, can be a bad look on Drew because we know how it comes across to a lot of fans. Oh, so you're just going to feed your next guy all all his victims. You're just going to feed them week after week. Just keep feeding them. And look, it's a pattern. What's going to happen? They're going to turn on Drew. And I don't want to see that. This should have just been Seth from the jump and Seth only. And then take th- that new group and let them develop for a little bit. You didn't have to jump the gun here.
0: But but that's what I'm trying to say, though. If they wanted to use them for that first week to yeah. show that together they're dominant, that's, that's okay. And it, and it allowed Rollins to do the sneak attack. But after that, yes, you have to separate them. And now so they... Now
1: they, do, now they do what they do to uh, the most 90% of the factions they put together. They look like
0: a bunch of goofballs. They do. And here's the truth. That group, I went back and looked. They have lost every meaningful match they have had since forming. That doesn't mean they've lost every match. Each man, so Andrade, Austin Theory, and Angel Garza has one win. Yeah. I, I forgot one of them beat like a, uh, an enhancement talent. And two of them have beaten uh, Akira Tozawa. So they each have a win. But with the tag team title matches, Rollins and Garza lost. Andrade versus McIntyre, Andrade lost. Every meaningful thing that's happened has been a loss for this group when they should be starting incredibly strong. I still don't think they should have won the titles from Street Profits. But you definitely could have had them come in and beat a good tag team, the Viking Raiders, or, you know, someone of some significance. You could have had Andrade have a barn burner of a match with Apollo and beat him, but then still have Apollo get into the money in the bank. Um, it just really feels like they have taken something that could be huge. And I was very excited about last week and this week, it basically felt watered down to me.
1: Yeah. And it's, and I, I hate to see it because like I said, nobody benefits from this. Drew McIntyre doesn't benefit. Andrade doesn't benefit. Austin theory doesn't benefit. Um, Angel Guard is not benefit. Really, the only one benefiting from this is Zelina Vega, who gets more mic time. Yeah, and she's used it well, uh, uh, to be fair. Yeah, that's she's the only one benefiting out of this because, you know, she's getting more of a chance now week after week to show. Because she's, she's an incredible stable leader. And yeah. I, I don't know if it was the empty arena or whatever, but her coaching these guys mm-hmm. is phenomenal. And you don't see that a lot. Also, we don't see managers a lot, per se, but... She has that like her coaching those guys last night was is it's fantastic. Like on on one hand, like you have Lana, like at WrestleMania, spear him, spear him, right? right. But Selena comes off as more. She has a strategy that she figured out before the match, and like an actual sports coach.
0: She's heyman She's a female heyman or or, I mean, not. I'm not trying to put her there yet, but.
1: The like she's there. she's done her homework. She she knows Austin Theory in and out. She knows Angel Garza yeah. in and out. She of course knows Andrade in and out. She's like, okay, here's what's gonna work against this guy. Do this, 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 this. But um,
0: it was it, also yeah. it was also Jack a really nice touch to have her on commentary while her husband was fighting off. Yes. Theory. <laughs> yes. was well, yeah, awesome. the, Heyman did that
1: on purpose. Of he, I, I'm convinced he did that to give to get a kick kick out of it for himself.
0: But um, and by no, the way, that and by the way, that match was really good. And we're talking about the top tier matches. It wasn't just um, uh, what, what did I say? Murphy and Rey Mysterio, which I do think was the match of the week. But I mean, Black Theory was really good. McIntyre, Angel Garza in the main event was really good. I'll, I'll Andrade to was really good on Monday night. I, uh, I last
1: night I realized something. Like you always do in professional wrestling, always, like you always um you always get that feeling. Like, oh, I didn't know I needed to see that, but I think I do right now. And this is, this isn't really for empty arena. This is for when we return back to normal. I never knew that I needed to see Alistair Black and Drew McIntyre for the WWE championship. Oh yeah. now, Now, no, no under, but one of those just baby face versus baby face. I think I'm better than you. I think I'm better than you. Yeah. Put them in the ring in front of a SummerSlam crowd. Now I'm not talking like backlash or something like that. In front of a, a a big four crowd, let those two in the main event go and see what happens. Like even even if that entails Black winning the briefcase and cashing it ahead of time.
0: I was going to say we did mention earlier. That's actually what I, the, what I, the point I was going to make. We did mention earlier about the women. I do think Alistair Black is going to win the men's. I do Black too. Match. Yeah, I, I, I
1: agree with you 100%. And I know when it comes to money in the bank, you you, you don't ever want to lean towards the obvious. Right. But I think in this case, it, it's di- it's different because of the way he's been built. Yeah. And the way Alistair, it's just, he's going to win that briefcase. And again, I understand that the one of the lovable aspects of the money in the bank briefcase is that surprise cash-in when there is a lot of fans. You know, when Absolutely. can it happen? But there is also a benefit to going away from that story and having, especially a baby face say, here's my contract. Here's when I'm doing it. I'm going to kick your ass. Get right. And
0: and by the way, his whole gimmick, or, I mean, they've reduced it. He wants to pick a fight with people. He said he was waiting for people to pick a fight with him. Then he went away from that. He said, I'm going to start picking fights myself. there's no better fight to pick. And than him, cut, yeah,
1: him cutting a promo saying, this allows me to pick a fight with the WWE champion.
0: For, by the way, forget a pay-per-view. Can you imagine it's 1035 on Monday night, okay? Drew is the champion coming out of Money in the Bank or whatever pay-per-view. And Alistair Black, there's 1035, Drew's cutting a promo in the ring. It's expected to be a confrontation or you know, you're thinking that there's a match. Maybe they even advertise a main event match. And instead, mid talk, the lights go out and Alistair Black just zooms up on, you know, on his thing. He sits up straight carrying a completely black briefcase or something leather bound, something that's really cool, that's unique to him. And the music just starts and he walks to the ring and he takes Drew's microphone and he goes, I'm here to pick a fight with you. Gives the briefcase to a referee. They ring the bell. They have a 25-minute match, and Aleister Black's the new WWE champion. You know how freaking cool that would be? And it also,
1: you know, that idea. Yes, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. I'd be in on that. And it also plays into the story of Drew McIntyre being the fighting champion and taking on the big show in the true WrestleMania main event that happened at WrestleMania, people. (laughs) That was the rest. The Big Show versus Drew McIntyre is the WrestleMania 36 main event. I will hear nothing, nothing else. I will hear no argument.
0: I mean, it's accurate. It it is, and I hate that.
1: Now, really quick on that, Adam. I got to tell you this, because I did this a long while I was bored. WWE does not acknowledge it in the WrestleMania results. They're wrong.
0: Well, it's a a raw
1: result. Wikipedia acknowledges it as the (laughs) WrestleMania 36, the, the last match to take place at WrestleMania 36. But... No, it, it it plays into Drew being willing to take on whatever, and it doesn't necessarily make Alistair Black a heel. I, I know some people in your scenario would want to label him as that, but it doesn't if the guy's saying, look, this guy McIntyre's out here spouting his mouth off about any time, any place,
0: whoever, whatever. I have this contract. Why am I wrong? And by the way, the scenario that I projected would work just as well because you really do wanna use the briefcase to surprise someone, right? Now there's two ways to do that surprise. One of them is you know, either mid-match or right after someone gets the absolute hell beating out of them, running to the ring and cashing it in, hitting a finisher and pinning one, two, three. But right. there's also the way for someone to win a match. So let's say Drew is at a pay-per-view and beats Seth Rollins at Money in the Bank. And earlier in the night, Aleister Black won it. You do the exact same booking, where you thought the main event was McIntyre-Rollins. But it, what it actually is is McIntyre-Black. And maybe they don't have a 25-minute match, but they have a 10-minute match. But the same booking, same thing I told you happens, and he wins the title there. It's just the thinking of Alistair Black with that, tie, with that briefcase in a real badass, like I said, you give him like a leather-bound one, or you just do something so unique and different with that briefcase. It is such. It would be such a sight to behold. And they have been building this guy up since October. Uh, yeah, really since November, uh, a long time. And I think this is where you pay it off.
1: With that. With that said, though, like that scenario was great. Like that was that. That was a great job. I love it. Um, and we just talked about Bray Wyatt. We, we both believe he's going to win the universal title at Money in the Bank. I be, I believe that Drew McIntyre should hold the WWE Championship until crowds come back. I think he should hold it through the duration of this unfortunate set of circumstances. Yeah. I mean, that's probably, I just correct. think, I think Drew should like, if you want to take the title off Brown. That's fine. But I think Drew should be afforded the opportunity to reenter the, the next, the next phase or whatever you want to call it as the WWE champion. I think it's when, li-
0: when live crowds come back, Drew should be the first person whose music hits. And- he should. And gets the cheers and the pops as soon as that happens. And I think that
1: WWE, Vince McMahon, he's a lot of things, but he also values loyalty. And like I, this goes, this circles all the way back to what I talked about at the beginning of the show is that Drew, right now, whatever you think, he's taking this opportunity to show them, look, you finally have the confidence in me. I'm going to show you that I could lead this company. And I could lead this company through literally the worst time period it's ever seen. Give me the chance. And because th- that's that's the perspective you have to look at it. Drew McIntyre is taking on the role of top guy during the worst period in modern history.
0: No. Now we did mention throughout the show, and this is just a very quick aside. I want to make sure I didn't miss it. We mentioned great matches throughout this whole week. Brian Cesaro, just great match. Oh, man great match something that we've all wanted for a really long time and i'm glad they gave it to us in a meaningful setting a qualifier for money in the bank so thanks for that now this was going to be jack the fastest 15 minutes in professional wrestling but this has been a long show that always happens always happens when you and i get together so we're going to do it the fastest like eight minutes in pro wrestling we'll we'll see how it goes but a couple more topics to touch on today um sonia deville and mandy rose so they they're continuing the storyline which i think is obviously a really good idea and i think we got a glimpse Friday night on SmackDown. I almost said Tuesday. I almost tripped up there. Uh, Friday night on SmackDown of what Becky Lynch said. And Becky Lynch said she believes Sonya Deville has the highest ceiling of women in the company that are not currently being used, you know, to the most of their ability. She's great in the ring. I like her gimmick. I like her entrance music and her look, all of that stuff. And I think we just saw on Friday, she has the mic skills to back it up. Um, Was the acting a little weak and the fake crying? Yeah, sure. But that was the whole point. Um, I think she has a higher ceiling than Mandy Rose, despite me liking Mandy Rose. The segment was really good; it made total storyline sense, and I'm excited they're continuing it, and I'm excited that we're going to see a Sonia Deville Mandy Rose match
1: yeah, here. I'll go to my wheelhouse to uh to explain what Sonia Deville did. She wasn't handed the football. At the opponent's ten yard line, and ran it in for a touchdown. It's not a touchdown yet, but what Sonia Deville did with that promo on Friday night is she was on her own ten yard line, was handed the ball, and broke a run past the fifty. Right, one of those runs that go, whoa! What was that? She she put the feud in scoring position. She put the feud in scoring position, and hey, that's what happens. That's why. How many times I had him on this show? If I said this, you never know where the next big performance or the big star is going to come from. It, it it comes out of the blue in pro wrestling. They handed Sonya Deville a microphone and look what she did. Yep. They said, here, go ahead. And she went, whoa.
0: And to be honest, I kind of felt Mandy floundered a little bit when she was, she, given looked, the sure. she looked a little shook. Yeah. She looked a little shook. Now maybe that was the, <laughs> the plan. And if that was the plan, then that's great acting. And and they got me, but I have known Mandy on screen to be better than that. So I'm curious to see what happens next week and if it continues, but Really big moment for Sonya Deville, and that could be the one that turns the tide on her, on her entire WWE career, and I hope it but
1: does. But here's – well, well, it's really simple, though. Like, the problem here might be that we come to find out Mandy Rose can't play a baby face. Right. All I need WWE to do, though, is if you figure that out, don't wait. Just double put turn. Them back to, put them back together. Just well, don't well, wait. Put them back together or do a double turn. Oh, uh, yeah, depended on how Sonya's popularity rises, but uh, it, either or double turn
0: or put the back together. Yeah, the only thing that I thought they missed really was part of this feud was when Otis was showing up early if he was helping Mandy win, but when he showed up and Sonya was in the match, Sonya would lose. So they didn't really tell the only thing that they've missed is they haven't really told the story of number one. Sonia thought Dolph was the better fit for Mandy. And why? Because she's, because in her mind looks matter, right? She's the bad guy. She, she, she doesn't think a fat guy belongs with a beautiful woman. She thinks Dolph Ziggler belongs with her. But also because Otis was bad for her career. He was good for Mandy's career, but bad for Sonia's. She didn't really get that across. It's the one tiny part in this entire storyline that I think they've missed. But it is still good. And they're doing a really solid job. Uh, now, staying with the women... Also on SmackDown, Jack, when Tamina showed up two weeks ago, I rolled my eyes. I was like, what has she done to deserve a title shot? But I will say her promo two weeks ago was totally acceptable. And she didn't have to cut a promo this past Friday. But she did say something that was hysterical when Sasha Banks tried to give her a shirt and it was a size small. And she throws it back at her and she's like, you know I wear an extra large. (laughs) Really freaking funny. I thought the match between them, again, I'm not going to say it was great. But it was totally acceptable. Sasha Banks sells, you know, that she's the best seller for the women in the entire company. She sold everything that Tamina had to deliver. And the storyline with Bailey throwing Sasha in front of the train, Sasha taking the hit, and now Bailey having to fight Tamina and, and maybe being upset that Sasha didn't win and come through for her, Sasha being angry that she was put in a position to get hurt. Um, as I've mentioned previously, the camera work that they did with Sasha standing behind Bailey at WrestleMania and then being tugged into the picture two weeks ago on SmackDown—they're doing a really good job with a Bailey Sasha Banks storyline. And Jack, normally, I know that I'd get my hopes up again, just like we thought that they were going to have a WrestleMania <laughs> match a couple years ago. We thought and, so and, many, to and on. have them get and have them get absolutely crushed. But WWE in this empty arena era. They're kind of getting me to trust them again.
1: Yeah, that's why I don't uh I don't necessarily like mind Tamina in this spot that she's in right now because Tamina's not the story. The story <laughs> is Sasha. She's just she's a
0: placeholder. Yeah. yeah, she's
1: a pawn in this. And and look, she's been there over a decade. So if you want to give her a title match, just like this is an easy way to just say, here, here's a pay-per-view title match. Thank you.
0: Right. And she's kind of newly back and they are doing a good job utilizing again, really with the exception of the iconics. They're pretty much the only women that are not getting normally utilized. They're figuring out a way to get all the women on TV and meaningful storylines, which better uh, than better than they maybe ever which, have before.
1: Which again, this is why, Adam, when they return to normalcy, they better watch their steps because like it's great that they're doing all the good stuff now and they're doing stuff that we're praising. But if you go back to your if you go
0: back to your ways and don't learn from this, it's gonna be bad. Uh, a couple more women's developments before we move into the final part of the Fastest 15. Uh, Liv Morgan, I thought she got a pretty impressive win over Ruby Riot. Not that it was surprising, but the flatliner looks good. It's a really good finisher for her coming off the ropes like that. And her look is really solid, and she has improved in the ring as much as I said Carmella did last year. When you just saw week-to-week improvement and, and just confidence, Liv Morgan to me looks great. And I really, once again, for the third week in a row, really like the Bianca Belair segment. I love that they are using her as the big wig of this trio. She's the one who saved the Street Profits, you know, at WrestleMania and then again on Raw. She's the one who got them aligned and more serious last week. And the Street Profits were the ones who pumped her up entering her match, not the other way around. Bianca's presentation has been great. I thought they blew it with not updating her Titan which is really stupid. Um, her gear looked awesome. She makes her own gear in case people yeah. didn't know that total star stuff from Bianca Belair. I thought Liv Morgan and Bianca Belair on Monday night, both had very good nights. Uh, yeah. Liv, Liv,
1: everybody knows I love Olivia, but uh, the, only th- the only thing, the only thing is that flatliner. that it's funny, you brought it up because you don't like uh, it. I, I like it. However, okay. I I'm concerned because it that really is a two-person move yeah. in, in regards to timing. It's when true. you're in there with an an exceptional professional wrestler like Ruby, it yeah. works. I fear that like she it's she can't do that whatever it's and it's gonna look bad when she's in there with a bad worker. Like someone like Ruby will nail it every time for her and make her look like a million bucks. That won't be the case every time, but no, otherwise, great. This uh Bianca, come on, you you can't knock as a matter of fact. I don't want to take anything away from her, and very few times I'll do this, but my favorite part of the segment last night was when the Street Profits pissed off Jerry Lawler <laughs> yeah. to the point where he was kind of, he in a polite way tried to say, "Hey, shut up," and they were like, "Ah, screw you, old man." Like I, that was I actually,
0: legit. You could tell Lawler was pissed. I actually thought after last week there was a really good chance that Lawler would not be on Raw. I don't, and yeah. I will say this though: I will say this. He had a really good night. Like for as bad as he was two weeks ago. On Monday, he was funny. He had good banter also, with Zelina. He had good banter with the Street Profits. He didn't say anything stupid. He was kind of positive uh, Also, on He was a positive addition.
1: Whether uh, whether um, whether by uh, Paul Heyman instruction or not, I mean, Tom Phillips just basically punted on commentary. And when
0: Bianco went for the KOD, he just told Montez, you call it. Yeah. He just said, I quit You call it. Bianca, so I, I did not think particularly that Santana Garrett was had a good ma- had a good night, and she did not take the KOD very well. She used her hands and knees, and it just looked like she barely hit the move. Bianca, um, but besides that, Belair showed last night every reason she will Jesus be a God, massive man. star. She has she has it more than most people have it. She is, I mean, she's, it's oozing out of her. She's and, uh, awesome. To have a
1: husband and wife duo, that yeah. you look at both of them and you say, holy crap, like they're, there, these are two people that are going to be multimillionaires in that company.
0: You would hope so, absolutely. They should both be, be stars, and they should. Bianca should definitely be WWE, uh, you know, Raw or SmackDown Women's Champion. Oh, I don't if know that. It, I don't know that Montez will ever be a world champion. Oh, but it no, would be, be a crime champion. if he's not. It would be a crime
1: if he's not a world champion.
0: I don't know. He may be a little too. I, I mean, look, saying too charismatic is a weird thing, but he just may be too. He's even smaller than Kofi is in many regards in terms of in in terms of thickness. You know what I mean? And he's not hasn't been there a long time. Maybe he eventually works his way to it. But I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with being a really good intercontinental U.S. champion, really entertaining. But honestly, more than anything, I hope they keep the tag team together for a while because the gimmick's good. They're very entertaining together. And, the, the, and their last two weeks have been two of their best weeks on the main roster.
1: And a thing I've also said about Montez in the past, even his NXT stuff, when he started getting hot, he also strikes me as a guy that could, could like uh, pique the interest of Hollywood.
0: Absolutely. No he
1: re- Like that's another thing that they might have to watch out for in the coming years. Hollywood might come take a look at him.
0: I want to close out uh, the fastest however many minutes in pro wrestling here. On a negative, because we spent this whole show mostly being positive, which is really nice. What was the worst moment of WWE TV this week? I'm going to give you four options. Braun Strowman and Alexa Bliss segment to open SmackDown. The Lashley flipping tires, two segments on Raw. The Elias Corbin attack on SmackDown. Mm -hmm. Or the Viking Raiders carpool karaoke on Raw.
1: Viking Raiders carpool karaoke. I I want to meet the person who thought that was a good idea.
0: It was terrible.
1: Is, is that the answer?
0: Oh, I mean, it's my answer, yeah.
1: but Yeah, it, close it's, it's num- opinion. I it's will say opinion. this, Close number two to that damn tire se- segments with Bobby. I thought at least when I saw the bigger tire, I thought somebody was going to pop up from the middle of that tire. So did
0: I. So did I. And he flips it. He's like, yeah, that was cool, wasn't it? And like just. Why? I was like, wait, what the hell? What are you doing? Had they not fired Leo Rush, I thought, would, I thought it was Leo. It would have been perfect to have him laying in the tire and Bobby thinking he could flip it. But there's an additional hundred and or, yeah. or two hundred pounds in there, and he can't lift it. And Leo pops up and is like, "Bobby, we need to talk." It right? Also- like then it's funny, and then then it gives us something to look forward to. But the segment as it was presented was like, "I'm strong. I can flip two tires, but actually, one of them I'm going to struggle with, and then eventually get." And then I thought they were breaking up Lana and Lashley, but now they're buddy buddy again, and it, and it seems to be working. And now Rusev's fired. And now Rusev's fired, so like, Lana's still, still with the company. And by the way, it's not that weird for like, like Adam Cole works for WWE and Britt Baker works for AEW. It, yeah. Right. But they're both wrestlers. Lana, look, I, I, I don't want anyone to lose their jobs. Okay. I don't, want, I'm not trying to take jobs away from anyone. She's pretty worthless on WWE TV. If she's only there because she's pretty. Okay, fine, but she's not a good manager. She's not good in the ring. She's not entertaining. And she's hated, not even in a Vicky Guerrero hate, where it's completely on purpose. She's hated where even when she's being annoying, you hate her because she's being annoying, but also because you hate her. And she had that two-week
1: period where they started the, the, uh, that, that storyline with Bobby and Rusev, where she was pretty good, and you were like, okay, but then she went over the top. And then more over the top. Then then you're like, okay, she just tanked this whole thing. just I I remember
0: us talking about it. She's just not good. She's weighing Lashley down. Um, You know, like there are so many scenarios that you could, so many ways you could book Lashley. You can use MVP. You could have used Leo Rush, and I I still don't get why they released him. Um, But that segment to me was just mind-numbingly boring. The Viking Raiders segment was horrendous. And even if it was supposed to be bad, or if it was supposed to set you up to think that these guys are jokes but then next week they turn the dial I was I was and, just going to say and and go the other way even if that was the plan it was so bad that they can't fix it and to to think of that a team that debuted on the main roster as the viking experience that that would not be the most embarrassing moment of their main roster tenure it's shocking now that said i always jack had questions about whether War Machine or the War Raiders would work on the main roster. Yeah, they're big, they're strong, they're very good wrestlers. But based on their look and based on their personality and the team gimmick and so on, because even in NXT they had these face masks and the paint and all this type of stuff, I always didn't think it was going to work. But it has been so much worse than I ever could have expected. They, I I know why That's they changed the name. Thing. I some of it is and some of it nah, is. No,
1: it's not. None of it's on I, none of it's on hand. I
0: know why they changed it. I, I know why they changed the name from War Raiders on the main roster. They don't want anything with war or miller or murder. They don't want Killer Cross to be Killer. I get it. It's WWE, right? But Viking Raiders, which is more acceptable by far than Viking Experience. It's just what does that mean? What are they? You're basically saying they're Vikings. And yeah, one of them is a real life Viking. I get it. Like, they believe in it. They buy into the culture. But you didn't need to name them whatever they are, Ivar and Igor or whatever. Hanson and Rowe are great names. Why couldn't they have been Hanson and Rowe, the Viking Raiders? Why couldn't they just dominate people and be a really strong, good tag team? It just, to me, in WWE proper, it was really never going to work. I would take those guys. I'd put them right back in NXT, have them be a dominant tag team on that brand, a la Killian Dane, a guy that you can always get a really good match out of, pay them their money, and just realize that you screwed them up on the main roster and it's not gonna work.
1: Well, let's see where this street profits thing goes first. Because maybe, maybe they uh obviously one would think they're this might not be babyface versus babyface for the tag team championship. Maybe you just turn Eric and Ivar uh heel, and maybe that's where a turnaround happens. Let's see that first.
0: They're being too happy-go-lucky, and they realize they need to get that. And maybe, but even this carpool karaoke thing, like, they made up a song, right? And were just singing about themselves. I wish WWE had just licensed a funny pop track and had them singing Party in the USA together. At least that would have been humorous. This was well, a you, can't license,
1: you can't license a track, though, Adam. when you, yes, just, you can. When you, not when you just lay off a 100%. Okay, but fine, you can't but you're talk, do that.
0: You're talking like a thousand bucks or a couple thousand <laughs> yeah, dollars. Yeah, but still, the optics, you can't do something like that. I mean, they're about to tear through an entire building, so, you know. But but my point is, they could have made it funny, but it was just terrible. Uh, no, it was horrible. Stroman Bliss was just not believable. The fact that he yeah. would think of packages there for him. The segment was bad. Him and Alexa were great together, but... It, it, with Nikki, it just didn't work. And then Elias Corbin, um, every <laughs> feud that Baron Corbin is in apparently has to last for three months or longer uh, and every segment. And you know what? I don't I don't agree with Dave Meltzer a lot of his opinions. Uh, I think he's one-sided, has bias, whatever. But he did send a tweet that was really funny and accurate about this. That was like a three minute backstage fight. it you could have told me it was three hours. It felt. yeah, like it went on forever. and I don't hate Corbin. In fact, Shawn Michaels at REEB82, he writes in dead ass serious question. How long before before Baron Corbin is universal or WWE champion? I don't think it's very long. I think it happens inside of a year from now. I was just going to say next year, year and a half. Yeah. Between between 12 and 18 months, he will be champion. And I think he deserves it. I think he gets real heel heat. And I think he's talented and entertaining. But they cannot get him out of feuds and they cannot put him in things where he's able to shine. This thing with Elias, it's a disaster. It's terrible. Those four, despite me saying at the beginning of the show that WWE gave us five hours of entertaining TV, which I believe between SmackDown and Raw, there were four segments that were legitimately bad and that was one of them.
1: Yeah, they're not doing Corbin any favors. They're not doing the man any favors whatsoever, like especially coming out of that Roman feud where it felt like it dragged since I was a five-year-old kid. Like I was watching it on WWF superstars. And now you go right into this with Elias, where it just doesn't end. And it should have just ended at WrestleMania with Elias getting the win.
0: That should have been it. To- totally agree. Now, Jack, I normally do getting overtime time myself, uh, but you and I have done question and answers for plenty of time, uh, plenty of occasions. So I might as well have you run through these with me before we get out of here. Yeah. Nick, Z- Nick Z at N Zanny Boney 93. This isn't really a question, but he said, we need to do a segment on this show about charlie caruso last night did you catch the eyes (laughs) that charlie gave angel garza holy bleep the charlie angel garza flirting is fantastic
1: it is one of the best storylines wwe has going right now it's awesome without a doubt is one of the best storylines they have going and it doesn't it's not even
0: prominently featured on tv just every once in a while yeah but it is so perfect and you can say hardly holy bleep just about charlie you don't need garza there but yes them together uh, definitely fireworks and really curious to that, see. Those two, if you keep putting those two on screen together, Raw is going to have to go TVMA. <laughs> Eventually. Eventually. Uh, John Dumphy at John JohnDumphy68. Not having fans has really impacted my viewing. I found it more entertaining to listen to the pod and then go back and watch matches that seem worth the time. I've always known how much a crowd can affect a show, but having no fans, which is responsible, is really a struggle. I actually... Didn't realize we were going to talk about this earlier in the show. I probably should have read this then. Again, not really a question here. Um, it hasn't impacted my viewing much, Jack. I, I know that a lot of people it has, but I'm enjoying these shows for what they are. Again, as I said on last week's show, you weren't on it. But I at the beginning of the show with um, Chris, I said, look, we're going to talk about wrestling. It's a wrestling podcast. We're going to talk about the bad WWE running live shows. We don't like it. The releases. We went through all of it. But at the end, I'm going to evaluate the product because that's what people want to hear. And the product has been good. And I think if you're not watching WWE main roster and you are a main roster WWE fan, I actually think you're doing yourself a disservice because there's good wrestling happening right now. I mean, I get it.
1: People are going to be affected in different ways. Like I was talking to a friend of mine, as I do, and like the transition to empty arenas has been a little easier for me because like you guys that listen to, the State of Combat pod. Now this one, you hear me all the time. Like, I'm a huge independent wrestling fan. I have been for years. And they sometimes only have 50, 100 people in those crowds. I understand it's still people, but it, it's sort of the same setting. and sort of the same atmosphere. And I kind of get that feeling now when I'm watching WWE television, that sort of indie feel, but I'm used to it. And I get how some, some people are just used to 10, 15,000-seat arenas, and it turns them off. But for me, the transition's been easy because I'm such an
0: independent wrestling nerd. Yeah, so you're kind of you're saying you're kind of used to not having yeah, not having a lot
1: yeah, a lot of people. I like hell, I've watched I watch a lot of independent wrestling that happens in bars, literal bars, yeah, where there's like a few seats and people hanging around a bar watching the wrestling. You know, so
0: I do have to I do have to say also, and you will probably disagree with this, Uh, maybe you won't. I don't know. The first two weeks of the TV shows being like this. I thought AEW was handling it much better. The presentation was better. Um, they created noise. They had really good matches and shows. But honestly, ever since then, I think WWE and NXT have done a far better job. I enjoy the, pre- the presentation more, and I think the shows are better. Well, because the presentation,
1: the shows, I mean, because AEW really crapped the bed with that Moxley Hager debacle last week. I don't want to talk about that. Just want to <laughs> block it out of my memory. But, um, <laughs> No, but the the, the daily's place at the Jaguar Stadium creates such a unique atmosphere. I love it. I love. I love it exactly. every time. I love it every time AEW goes there. Now the Monster Factory in Georgia. Yeah, Cody. It didn't take us long to figure out when we saw the football field. We knew you we were at the Monster Factory. Yeah. No, nah, something. It's it, it seems cramped. Like it, and I get why, but it's cramped, and they're trying to fit this TNT set in there. And look. I'll admit to people, I'm also of the belief, because they I understand they came out with that double or nothing announcement. If I'm AEW and I look at all this criticism being tossed WWE's way, I shut it down for a little bit. Why not look like the good guys here? I take the opportunity to look like the good guys Well and they've say,
0: taped they've taped like nah. four more episodes well, yeah, and they, they have a pay-per-view scheduled. Also. But
1: they could yeah, but they could also say, look, we taped episodes, but we've decided we're just gonna cool it a little bit here. But instead, like, they're trying to to keep up, and it's like this double or nothing. I don't even know what they're going to do yet. Probably Florida. I get that, but.
0: Yeah, maybe Daly's
1: Place would make the most sense to me. I think, well, with Florida basically saying, come one, come all, I would have to think
0: that Daly's Place will be where they go. Yep. And uh, one more here from Chad Placinka at I Don't Exaggerate. He said, question for Tuesday stemming from the show Thursday. Now, Jack, I'll bring you back to what we said. Uh, We talked about the Moxley-Hager match extensively. And what Chris and I basically agreed upon, because there was a question that came in about it, is while we both like Moxley and we both think he's really good, um, I think it has been not necessarily proven, but more often than not, John Moxley has proven that he's a B-side, not an A-side. And Chris and I agreed on that. So first, real quick, do you agree with that? It's still too early in this AEW run to
1: figure that out yet. Yeah.
0: His career,
1: on what about forward, what about what
0: about his career to this point?
1: Then he wins the world title, and we go into a friggin' global shutdown. Um, his career to this point, yeah, he's come off as the B side, but that might not necessarily be his fault. We don't know yet. That's why I said we got to see what he does in AEW first no, as a it, champion.
0: It's fair, but even so far, and granted, the it, I, it's been stacked against him, um, no question. But so far, he's also kind of come off as a B side in AEW, like.
1: Don't forget, this is the same guy that they thought it was a good idea. Like when he was in a prominent feud with Bray Wyatt to have a TV blow up in his face. Oh, for that, sure. That that wasn't his idea. Then I mean, then, the poor, then the poor bastard goes to Brock Lesnar with some great ideas. And because Brock wants to go to UFC 200, tells the guy no a million times. Which, I, I'm not saying I blame Brock, but when Moxley says, look, I'm going to make this great. Here's what we got to do. And Brock goes, nah, I don't want to. Why? Eh, because I'm going back to UFC. Not a lot of people know that yet.
0: Right. It's like, what? all right no, no, he's been there's no question he's been a victim of circumstance but but again and moving on i'll get to the actual question i'm just letting you know that we both agreed he's a b-side at yeah you just can't make that determination yet at least to this point in his career so what chad's curious about is how many a sides do wwe and aew actually have in total the answer might speak to the depth and flexibility of each company's ability to book and keep fans happy yeah. curious to know your answer so I actually think we should start with AEW because it's a smaller roster and it's kind of easier to go through. Cody I do, Rhodes. I do think Cody's an A side. I do think Jericho's an A side, and I do think that Kenny Omega is an A side win elevated to Kenny Omega, the real Kenny Omega.
1: Yeah, pre- yeah. What did we? What do we say? Cody, Jericho, Kenny. Yeah, just those three. Yeah, because like, and look, I'll say, I'll say it. I think he, I, I anticipate he will. But you know, you still got to give Moxley the opportunity. In, but he's in, not there, in,
0: there as of today. He's not there.
1: In a uh, you got to give you got to give him the opportunity in the setting as a world champion to see if he can pull it off or not. But no, to this point, he hasn't. So yeah, even pro- it, but he, even
0: in his title match, he was the B side.
1: Jericho was the A side. Well, yeah, but he's it's still Chris friggin Jericho. I, okay, I'm just saying that's, it's Chris friggin Jericho. Okay, like, but when it was okay, but
0: okay, Jack. But when it was Steve Austin versus Bret Hart, Steve Austin was the A side as the challenger. And he wasn't, I mean, he wasn't stone cold. I mean, he wasn't really the Steve Austin that we know now in that match.
1: He turned to the A side. Brett was the A side going into that match.
0: Uh, I don't know. And WrestleMania do.
1: 13, are you out of your mind? Oh,
0: I mean, Brett was honestly, Brett was never really an A
1: side. Adam, that's the whole point of the double turn. But, he,
0: but my point is that the B S- side and A side's flipped. But Brett was never really an A side. I mean, I'm, I don't like Brett. So Brett was never to me an A side ever. Oh, I will not have this Bret Brett, Brett. Brett would occasionally be the A side of matches, but his challengers weren't very good. But anytime Brett was in a match with someone who was on his star level or higher, he was the B side of the match.
1: Oh God. Not getting into this. All okay, right.
0: Anyway. So I think AEW had, sl- the point is I think AEW has three. They right? have three.
1: And I don't know if you want to count the bucks. If you want to count tag team v- division.
0: Um, you know what? If you, if you are going to say that the, a tag team main you, event, if, if then West yes, I would day. give you the, I'd give you the box
1: and yeah. women. Cause we, you can't, we can't skip the women because number one, it's disrespectful. Number two, we'll get killed by they people. Don't have, because
0: they don't have any side. Well, that's
1: what I want That just to point yeah. it. Just so you like we address it. They don't have the, which again, goes back to my theory that the Kylie Ray thing threw them for a complete loop in this division.
0: Yep. Now, now that said, by the way, if they do sign Rusev, I think he can be an A side. Oh God, without question. Yeah. They better, they better sign that man. Right, sure they might have already. Now moving to Raw, I'm gonna or moving to WWE. I'm just gonna go through the roster a little bit and I'm gonna talk, I'm gonna name the people that we can debate, and we're gonna do this as quick as we can. AJ Styles is, is an A-side for me.
1: Yeah. Andrade. Right, what about Andrade? Like can be an A-side or is an A-side? Is he today? Not yet.
0: Agreed. Same with Alistair, not yet. Um, Lashley not not yet. Les oh, yeah. Lesnar Lesner, yes. Lesnar's an A side. So that's I'm two. Sorry. McIntyre's an A side. That's three. Yeah. Owens can be. That's four. Yeah, I say Owens. Orton is interesting. Brian no, by default. Randy is.
1: Brian Campbell maintains. We maintain... got to leave some names out of this. Brian Campbell maintains he's a B side. Ah, no. Randall's an A side. I think so. Too. But the thing, is, look, we'll state the obvious. Randy Orton's an A side when he wants to be an A side.
0: Yes. Uh, Orton's an A side, Mysterio's an A side, uh, Rollins. That's seven. Uh, just on just Raw men, they have seven, and that's not counting guys who can develop women. I think Oscar is and can be, Becky can be or is. Sorry, not can be. Charlotte's is. obvious and Charlotte. So you have three there. That's basically it from the women. Now. Um, now moving over to SmackDown. I, I you know, I'm not going to say the big E is because he's not yet. Braun Strowman is not. Daniel Bryan is, that's 1.
1: Yeah, for Bryan. sure.
0: The Fiend is, that's 2. Yeah. Uh Jeff Hardy is. I mean if, if they're they're the making position. him but he was, he has been before.
1: Oh yeah, it has yeah, it has been before, but I mean like I'm talking like uh present present time yeah. WWE. Yeah, he's he's an A side on that brand.
0: Agreed. Kofi is B side, Miz B side. Uh Roman's an A side, that's 4. Yeah. Uh Sheamus Nakamura, I would call them B's right now. So four. So you have four on SmackDown, seven on Raw, four on SmackDown for I the men. Like
1: missing somebody on SmackDown. I don't think so. I can't figure it out. I don't know. Maybe it'll come to me in like three hours from now. But I feel yeah.
0: maybe it's been a long show already. Uh, females on that side. Bliss, I do think is an A side. Even yeah, though... yeah. Uh, Alexa's like their brand ambassador yeah. at this point. Yeah. And I do think Sasha is too. Bailey, she's kind of in the middle. In my ah, uh,
1: Bailey lately. Hey, look, I'll give her credit. Lately, for, some for somewhere maybe it's working with working more closely in you know, a storyline with Sasha, but Bailey's really turned a corner for me lately. She's fantastic.
0: So, so we'll go with eleven men and six women to answer the question in terms of WWE main roster. NXT would take too long to go through the entire roster, but I think suffice to say there are a number of a sides on NXT from clearly Cole, um, Johnny, Tommaso, so, yeah, Johnny and Tommaso. I think um, Keith Lee is and can yeah, be. Uh, the women, certainly, there's a couple as well. So, you know, but the point is, to, to answer the question, yeah, AEW, they have a lot of really good wrestlers. They may not have enough A-sides right now, which may be one of their issues. And something oh, that- yeah, but Adam, real-
1: again, again, they're they're still infants. Like, we, we, we can't sit here and preach development in pro wrestling and then go at these guys who've been around a year and go, well, you don't have enough stars. But, but
0: okay, but here's the we thing. We can't do that. But here's the thing. They've been around- for like fifteen, oh. they've existed for like sixteen months. But the people that yeah. are, in, are in there, they're not neophytes. But These are experienced. Need, but you still need time to develop things. Like like
1: they have a legend in Chris Jericho. Look what he he oh, himself, forty nine year old Chris Jericho, what he developed into as their first world champion. That's part of a development. Oh, what is yeah, happening with Hangman Page?
0: Look, five years. That's a development. Five years from now, or forget five, two years from now, will Hangman Page be an ASA? Yeah, probably. Yeah, absolutely. Um, will. Darby Allen 5 years from now get that opportunity to have a Jeff Hardy like trajectory yeah he does yeah. so th- there are more that can happen but yeah, you got to give time man i'm just saying let's not treat AEW like they like everyone there has never worked before i mean they they have a lot of experience it's, really it's good not, professional it's,
1: it's not about working it's it's, spirit. it's about developing not only them but the company as a whole so that's going to mean that
0: you're you're not going to have these guys become mainstream stars overnight agree this is all true i'm just saying that a lot of the people there even in their current roles and in their past, even in other organizations have not necessarily been the star power that carries that organization. Like even the people they have from a Ring of Honor or a PWG that have been there previously, WWE to their credit has a lot of those that were the actual stars. Owens being an example, right? Um, So AEW, not only do they need to get the Rusev and develop the Hangman page, but they really need to figure out a way to get some bigger drawing people. And I think that may be that, may be that one of the reasons why we have seen, and certainly the empty arena stuff and all of, everything that's happened is affecting their rating. It's affecting NXT. It's affecting WWE. But the, the momentum for AEW has slowed. And it's slowed since Jericho lost the title. And I think a big reason of that is that Moxley is not as exciting and is not as Absolutely. much of an A-side. Absolutely. As Chris Jericho and no, and, and few people ever are, even Roman Reigns in on, on WWE is not as big of an ace like, at all times. Yeah, Chris Jericho that, is like, you, but, you, but my point there, is that there's so that, many factors here, though. No, but no that no, no, product no. has changed, that product has changed since moxley has been champion, yeah. Okay, what, which is but like, you, you, we don't know
1: what we were in store for with AEW when this all kicked in. We don't know what was going to come out of that War Games match, true. we don't know what kind of interest was going to be. So that's why you can't that's, say stuff like this. That's fair though. That's a fair point. Because we don't know what they were going to give us. Like that's that war game. So who knows? That could have been the catalyst to like a, a, a spinoff of like maybe two, three different feuds for all and, we know. And or it
0: could have been one big one. And that's totally fair. But even if you look at, even if you look at all the guys they've just recently signed and added on Lance Archer, Matt Hardy. Um, who am I missing? Uh, Luke Harper. Now Brody Lee. Yeah. These are guys who even so far, and yes, it just started in AEW. Of it course. Did, yeah. But career-wise, they've been B sides. Yeah, Well, Brody
1: Lee's Vince McMahon's fault, hundred percent.
0: Yeah, but that's, even, that, that's even all as, on the old man. Even as champion, even if he had won that feud, I don't know that he would have been an A side performer. It's, it's not funny, about it's
1: that champion. feud. There's just so many things you could, so many different things you could have did with the guy with the time you had him and we paying him a paycheck.
0: There are, but I, I feel like you're being a little too defensive with AEW here. Being no,
1: defensive. not a little too. You're being a little too off, offensive against them because I I don't think like I like, am. I'm just, yeah, just cut off a company
0: who had their their trajectory cut off. I'm not cutting them off. I'm not saying they're not going to develop people in the future, but I'm saying when we look at it as of today, their lack of A-sides is a glaring weakness. That's all I'm saying. And they've they've only been around on television since October. Okay. They've been so- running shows and doing plenty of YouTube stuff for a long period of time, and they have a lot of people in that company. They're developing Paige. He will be the next A-side for them, and it will happen pretty soon once he's back on TV and once the crowds are back Page is going to develop into an A-side who's going to win the title. He's going to be a really big deal. But then they have four. I'm simply saying that if you look at what may be holding AEW back today, on what day is it? April 21st, 2020. As of today, it is clear to me that they need some A-side talent, not just in the men, but really in the women's side.
1: So when things I think can get back good, to normal, give them a and chance. I think
0: it's, and I think it's a good, fair question. That's all. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, when it comes, when
1: life comes back to normal. Because like I said, they like who knows what they had planned when this yeah. all got cut off.
0: I think I think that match, the um War Games, what were the Blood and Guts match, that was gonna be a clear and very important storyline yeah. changing thing, right? We don't know, like you said, what would have happened coming out of that. But that that match also would not have suddenly Developed three new A side talents. But,
1: well, see, you don't know that because that- you,
0: for some reason you're socket you're as if you want them to be overnight. Like you want the
1: blood and guts match to happen. No, and I'm- the next day you want, like, Hangman Page on Good Morning America. I'm not saying that again. And- I will go through this example you're one twist- more time. You're twisting. The something. Austin 316 speech came in June of 1996. Correct. Stone Cold Steve Austin became a world champion two years later. Absolutely. In April of 1998. These things take time.
0: That's true. Him being champion took two years, but he didn't take that long to become an A-side in matches.
1: But it all happens over. It doesn't happen overnight. It happens over a gradual build. And like you said, you are slamming a company.
0: I'm not slamming them at all. To national TV in October. Nothing I'm doing is slamming them, though. None of what I'm saying is is saying AEW sucks because they're not developing. That's not what I'm saying. I'm analytically looking at the roster, which is the question that Chad asked us. Hey, how many A-sides are on all these brands? And I'm looking at it, and when we just went through it, we said, hey, AEW only has three, they need more. It's not saying that they can't, or that they won't, or that they're, that they're not capable of doing it. But if you look do, at I, it yeah. right now, if you look at it right now, analytically, wow, they actually have a deficit of A-sides. They have zero on the women's side, as you and I talked about, and they're in a deficit of it on the men's side. It's they, a- they actually need a couple more, and it will really help them take off. Being analytical is not, is not trashing them. I'm not, I'm not saying it's a negative. I'm yeah, not saying they've done a bad job, period. To me,
1: this, this exercise isn't more, well, who has more than the other?
0: It yeah, was a nice either.
1: exercise to go through the names. But again, it's woefully unfair for, again, a company that's only had a national TV presence since the first week of October.
0: If we're only talking about AEW. I could give these same criticisms to SmackDown right now. SmackDown, we just said Raw has seven with a couple more that they can develop. SmackDown has four. Yeah, but that's the proven machine. Over fifty years, the worldwide leader
1: in sports and entertainment, like that—that—that's the machine that's going to keep going. That's the wheel that's going to keep turning. Yeah,
0: but it's not good for that brand right now. There's a we're, reason why. There's a reason why when Roman Reigns pulled out of that match, we were like, "Oh, who could take that spot?" And the only person we could think of was Braun Strowman.
1: At the time, yeah, like Braun was the only obvious answer. Which, yeah, that's a problem for them, it's especially still,
0: still now. If it's not the Fiend or Daniel Bryan, that—that's their four guys.
1: Especially when. Uh, 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 again, we're getting paid a billion dollars for this thing. And, like, when you run into a problem like that, that that's an issue.
0: It speaks to maybe how uneven the top tier men's talent is right now between Raw and SmackDown. Jack, when they did the brand split, not the brand split, the draft, right? And you yeah. and I on the other show, we looked at their rosters. We completely both agreed that Raw was at a stronger roster. Oh, it was, yeah, it was so lost. So, so, the conversation we're having at AEW, about AEW is no different than what I could say about SmackDown. They have not built that roster correctly and they're not doing enough to build a sides on SmackDown on the men's side, the women's are fine, but so it's the same thing. It's not a criticism. It, it's yeah. not, it's not me saying AEW sucks. It's me saying, Hey, AEW Be- and, and candidly SmackDown w- need, needs to do a better job. I WWE also,
1: f- also feels or felt at the time. Cause now is a different circumstances. They only needed like a guy like Roman Reigns at the top or Goldberg, because that's what Fox was paying for. Right. They are c- catering to the people that are paying them the money. That's why we knew Roman was, like, we knew Roman was going to SmackDown. The, the, like, the second they announced the Fox deal, we and, knew. we and, said, and, right, and
0: we knew Brock was going to be Kofi, you know? Yeah,
1: it, Brock beating Kofi because, you know, the, the reports immediately came out. They said Fox asked for Brock Lesnar, and they got Brock Lesnar. Um, and
0: when Ronda comes back, she's most likely going to be on SmackDown, you would expect.
1: Yeah, I would say there's a 90% chance Ronda goes to SmackDown, unless Fox just thinks that she's been out of the mainstream limelight a little too long. And by mainstream, I mean as a, like a legitimate MMA fighter. Um, but no, it, it's like five, it's SmackDown. It's just we we've said this so many times on on this show and the previous show. It's so hard to gauge them and criticize them, and because like it's obvious what they're doing. They're just feeding the beast.
0: Yeah. No, totally agree. So we're we're in a situation now where I think again, good question. Hey, Chad, you made us argue, man. You don't exaggerate, but you do create arguments. Yeah, on, that was good. That on was getting good. over. And we hadn't been really contentious this entire episode. So I think that was well-timed for the end of the show. So thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of Getting Over Jack. Thank you for joining us. And Absolutely. for Chris, normally on Tuesdays, you can follow Jack on Twitter at JCrosbyCBS. Of course, you can follow The Silver King at Silverstein Adam, And please follow the show at Getting Overcast share favorite retweet every time you see the show come out help us spread the word about your favorite wrestling podcast we will be back thursday breaking down aew and nxt which should be another interesting week of those shows hey nxt up two ratings wins in a row over aew the first one made sense Last week, maybe a little bit surprising considering what AEW had in the main event. Will that continue? Find out Thursday on Getting Over. Uh, don't forget five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to find wrestling audio. So for gentlemen, Jack Crosby, Black Jack Crosby, it is the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, leaving you with just these three words. Bye for now.